If you can hear this message, listen closely. To the exiled, misunderstood, or upside down, this is your message of hope. When problems come, use them. When enemies persecute you, love them. These struggles are a fire, refining you into gold. Look around. You are not forgotten. You are not alone. Challenge what is expected of you. This world is not your home. All right. Good morning. Good afternoon, People's Church. Good afternoon. Good morning. 12.02. You all look refreshed because you had an extra hour of sleep. Well, church, we have a reason to lift up a shout this morning because your generosity is continuing to flow in in your commitments to do great things through global missions. I want to give you a, a total in just a second on where we are in receiving your faith promises. See, faith promise commitments, we do this every year. We set aside a couple weeks a year to talk about missions reaching the spiritually lost, planting the churches where there are no churches, raising up the next generation of ministry leaders around the world, and serving suffering people with compassion. And a faith promise is simply saying, this is what our household, this is what I want to do above and beyond my uh, tithes and offerings for the purpose of missions. Well, People's Church, to date, you have committed 630 thousand dollars to missions for the coming year that's more than fifty two thousand dollars a month and what excites me as a pastor is not just that we have seen an increase in the dollar amount and it is a record-setting commitment amount what excites me is that we've seen a record-setting number of commitment cards a record-setting number of households and individuals who are saying i want to be a part of that Three, 356 commitments. We can do great things through things. Great things can happen for God through us. And thank you for your generosity. We're excited about increasing with some of our partners and in some cases bringing on new partners in our global mission. I want to talk to you for just a few moments about donuts and, and hockey. Donuts and hockey. What you may not know about your pastor is that uh, for many years I was a, a hockey referee. I played hockey growing up. Hockey's in my, my family. Uh, my uncle played in the NHL. I was a mediocre hockey player. And afterwards I went on to referee. There, actually, there's a picture uh, right there. Thank you. It's refereeing a college hockey game when I lived in, in Wisconsin. Uh, at the... A few years ago, I was still refereeing hockey. I've now retired from that side moonlighting profession. I was, uh, these are some players that are having a difference of opinion. We're there to help resolve it. So a few years back, I was still moonlighting as a hockey referee. And also, I was uh, in charge or responsible for leading the groups at the church where I served on staff in Wisconsin. And there was uh, part of my spiritual responsibility to the church 
in leading the group's department was to ensure that every Sunday morning group had donuts. Everyone loves a donut. So uh, we had tried all these different ways to make sure that all the groups had their donuts. And what, the idea that we were trying at this particular time is for every group to take turns in distributing the donuts around to the different groups. Everyone enjoys receiving the donuts. Let's all participate together in serving the donuts. Let's take our turns. Well, most of the groups were on board with taking their turn, but there was one group that was in protest. They never protested when they were served the donuts, but when it came to be their turn to serve, they resisted. And this was causing me distress because the donut day was coming up tomorrow. I'm going to go referee a hockey game on Saturday. And here I am showing up to referee this game, completely distressed about the donut crisis that's going to happen tomorrow at church. Now, if you are playing any sport, you don't want your referee or referees to be stressed out when they're working your game. This was totally disproportionate to the problem, but I was so distressed about the donuts, and I'm out there chasing these college kids up and down the ice, and I'm thinking about the donuts. And you know, at high level of sports, there's trash talk that happens on the ice, there's language that we can't say in church that happens in sports, and so there's a lot of that, but uh, so there was this moment where a player got hit and they thought that it was a penalty, I didn't think it was a penalty, and they said something pretty mild, just like, hey, come on, ref, what were you looking at? Very, very mild in comparing compared to what can get said on the ice rink. But because I was so stressed out about the donuts, in that moment I was triggered, boom, unsportsmanlike conduct to the penalty box. <laughs> and I had to go over to the coach between periods and say, I, I'm so sorry. I didn't tell him the donut story. <laughs> but I did share with the coach that I that I overreacted and that his player should not have been penalized. An area of distress was distracting me from what was most important in the moment. That's the point of the story. An area of distress was distracting me from what was most important in the moment. And what we've all experienced is that when we're stressed, when we're afraid, when we're uneasy, when we're unsure, when we're in doubt about anything, it can impact everything. You really want things to go back to the way that they used to be. You want whatever is unresolved to be resolved. You had a test and now you're waiting for the results. You want it to be fixed, but it doesn't seem like there's a way to fix it. It was, it was all going along as expected, until the unexpected happened. So now, you're stressed, you're afraid, you're uneasy, you're unsure, you're in doubt, and what you're experiencing is this. Anxiety about anything can be a distraction that affects everything. We go through these times, and you may be going through it right now, you can't just set anxiety away in a box. No, it's always there in the front or the back of your mind. It may even be a struggle for you to focus on what we're talking about right now. And, and you, you've seen this perhaps lived out where some area of anxiety changes the way that you interact with your family. It impacts the way that you are at work. It impacts the way you are at church. 
Maybe you're triggered in moments that you really shouldn't be triggered. This morning we're talking about standing firm. As culture pulls away from God, Christ followers are challenged to be different. Instead of retreating, we want to stand firm by relying on a strength that is far greater than our own. So I invite you to open your word with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. Open up your word, power up your word. If you're new, you don't have the word with you, we're going to put the scripture up on the screens. What we're about to see is that when we go through, whatever we're going through, God gives us a way forward. God gives us a way forward when we face anxiety. And we're actually going to see a warning about what can happen when we do things our way, and our way is different from God's way. And we're going to see where Peter actually uses the phrase that has been the title covering of this teaching series, Stand Firm. So where we start in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, where we start is an action that is far easier to say out loud than to live out loud. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Give all your cares and worries to God, for he cares about you. It's like packing up all of your cares and worries and giving them to God. Now, church, I want you to catch this. What we have translated here in the New Living Translation as worries and cares, this is translated into English for us from the Greek word merimna. Merimna. Wrapped up in this Greek word merimna, don't miss this, is the concept of distraction. So a word that means worries and cares also means distraction. Your worries, your cares, your anxieties, your concerns, my worries, my cares, my anxieties and concerns, they can be distracting. And so Peter says, give those to God. What worries us can distract us from what God has for us. And no one in here is minimizing anxiety. We know that anxieties can be incredibly deep and complex. Maybe you have a phobia where you fear or avoid places or situations that might cause you to panic. You feel trapped. Maybe you feel helpless or embarrassed. So you avoid that. That's a phobia. There are anxiety disorders where there is a level of worry that is extremely disproportionate to the circumstances. There are some who have had an anxiety-related medical diagnosis. We know that anxiety can be sourced in a chemical imbalance in the way that we're put together, but that's not the only source. We also know this, living in a way that is against God can cause anxiety. So we all get how anxiety can distract us from the good things in life. And those of us who are followers of Christ, what we would say is we've experienced how worry has the potential to distract us from the good that God has for us. Worry is not a life giver. Worry is a consumer. Worry consumes physical, emotional, and spiritual energy. It's been said Terrible is the waste of spiritual energy, which results from anxiety and fear. So Peter says this in verse 7, Give 
all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Now remember who wrote this and when he wrote this. This is Peter writing this, the Peter, the fisherman who left the family business to follow Jesus, the Peter who denied Jesus three times before the crucifixion, the Peter who was forgiven and restored by Jesus after the resurrection, the Peter who gave the sermon on the day of Pentecost that launched the movement that we now call Christianity. Peter walked and talked with Jesus for three, for three years. He lived in a faith relationship with Jesus for more than three decades. So that Peter, late in his life, writes to Christians who are suffering, why? For being Christians. There's abuse, there's discrimination, there's insults, there's harassment, there's random acts of violence. And so Peter is writing to these Christians who are experiencing persecution, not as an outsider, not just theoretically. Peter is writing from his own experience. He's been there. Peter has been in prison. Peter has watched his friends die for their faith. And Peter tells them then and us now, Give your worries and your cares to God because he cares for you. And Peter, you see, he also can point back to what we now have as this very famous life-changing encounter with Jesus that he had very early in their relationship. This is real life, but sometimes it helps us if we understand it like in terms of a movie. If this were a movie, we might see Peter, an old man, writing a letter to these Christians who are being persecuted, and then a flashback goes to Peter many decades earlier when Peter is on the, the shore as a young man, a flashback on the Sea of Galilee. Peter comes in from fishing. Remember, he's a commercial fisherman, not a hobby fisherman. He depends on fishing. Fishing sustains life for Peter. If Peter doesn't catch fish, people don't eat and bills don't get paid. So there's Peter, he's washing his nets out in front of his boat, and Jesus goes to him on the shore and says, let's push out. And Jesus says, Peter, let's push out a little deeper and do what? Let down the nets. And what does Peter say in response? Jesus, maybe, Jesus, maybe you didn't understand, don't, don't, don't know this, but we actually, we are just finishing our shift. We worked and we worked hard. We worked graveyard shift, we worked overnight, we worked all night, and we caught nothing. It, if Peter is anything like you or me, a night like this at work would very much cause worry or anxiety. Because if you are a commercial fisherman, you cannot go for many consecutive days catching no fish before things really start to suffer. Now, Peter is in a situation that would cause many of us in the same situation to have a lot of worry because Peter, it wasn't a night where he caught just a few fish, like less than usual. It wasn't a night where Peter caught enough to feed his family and no more. This was a night when Peter caught no fish, no fish. And Jesus says, let's go out and let's put down those nets one more time. And what happens? Peter has every reason to be filled with anxiety, with worry, wondering about all the what-ifs. I hope it's not like this again tomorrow. What happens if it happens again tomorrow night? 
in these very early moments in relationship with Jesus, Peter chooses to do what Jesus says to do. By the way, always good advice, doing what Jesus says to do. What happens when Peter does what Jesus says to do and puts down the nets? The nets are filled with so many fish, the nets began to tear. When Peter did what Jesus says to do, he calls for a second boat because there are so many fish. When Peter does what Jesus says to do, both boats are so full of fish that they began to sink. And Peter fell at Jesus' feet. Luke chapter 5, verse 9. For he, Peter, was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught as were the others with him. Peter experienced the care of God when he turned over to Jesus what could have caused great sustained anxiety. So, fast forward back to Peter now as an old man, writing to the churches, the people, the Christians who are going through great persecution. If you were to go up to Peter and, and say, Peter, this is what I'm worried about. Peter, here's, what, here's the anxiety that I'm facing. Peter, I'm afraid because, Peter, I can't sleep because, Peter, this is what is distracting me to the point that it's become debilitating. Peter could say not just theoretically, but from his own life experience. But listen to me. Give your cares and your worries to God because he cares about you. Here's the very next thing that Peter says. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil, who he prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Peter writes about anxieties, releasing anxieties that distract us from the good God has for us, and then immediately goes into stay alert. See, there is an enemy, a real enemy, who is filled with pride. The enemy, he cannot be honest about his intentions to separate you from God. He doesn't live honestly on mission. He has to deceive you. He has to tempt you to separate you from God or keep you separated from God. And Peter names the enemy, the devil, Satan. The enemy is not for you. The enemy is out to destroy you. And so here's where this all comes together. The enemy seeks those who are distracted from God's goodness by worry. Giving your cares and worries over to God is an act of faith. What is the greatest threat? What is the greatest threat to being alert? Being tired. Weariness. Being tired, being weary is the greatest threat to being alert. If you are assigned to do like an overnight watch where everyone's going to take an hour or two overnight. You're going to be, you're in charge of guarding or protecting. You need to be alert. What is the greatest threat to your overnight watch? Weariness, tiredness, falling asleep, holding on to your worries, holding on to our worries. And I'm preaching to myself just as much as I might be speaking to you today. Holding on to our worries tight causes weariness, 
And in that weariness, there is an opening for the enemy to tempt and deceive and draw you away from the good that God has for you. This is a great quote. To allow anxiety to rear itself in the soul is like permitting rank weeds to grow in the flower bed. It's time to get out the weed killer. Now, in the first service, I actually gave the brand name of a weed killer. And a, a brother came up and said, you know that product that you named, they say there's carcinogens in that product. So maybe you don't want to bring out that product. Aaron, do we use weed killer anymore? We do. Not all the same. That was a little free gardening advice. <laughs> to allow anxiety to rear itself, to exist in the soul, is like permitting rank weeds to grow in the flower bed. It's time to get out the weed killer. It's time to give our cares and our worries to God as an act of faith. It is an act of faith. It is an act of faith because you are trusting that the God of the universe is capable and willing to see you through whatever it is that you're facing. Verse 9. Here comes that two-word phrase, stand firm. Stand firm against the enemy, the devil, and be strong in your faith. Remember, your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. What's the alternative to allowing anxiety to wreak havoc on your soul? Stand firm. Be strong in your faith. And the enemy, the enemy wants to convince you that you are the only one who is suffering. And Peter says, remember, there's believers all over the world who are experiencing various levels of suffering because they have chosen to align themselves with God. Themselves. You are not alone. You are not alone. Way back in the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 19, there's this historical record of a man named Elijah. Elijah, he stood with God at a time when there was widespread rejection against God and rebellion against God. And what does Elijah do? He convinces himself that he is what? That he's the only one. No one else. No one else, God. I'm the only one who's suffering. But then Elijah, he hears from God. And God tells him what? There are actually, actually, Elijah, there are 7,000 others who are standing with you. And more importantly, standing with me. It's not necessary to suffer alone because you're not alone. If God has brought you through a hardship, if God has given you victory over an addiction, if God has restored a relationship that someone has declared beyond repair, if you have overcome a pressure or even persecution for being a follower of Christ, God may be desiring to use you now to speak life into someone else who is in the middle of the storm. Giving your cares and worries to God is an act of faith. Stand firm. Be strong in faith. Be strong in your conviction that God is aware and he is making a way. Now on our timeline and the way that we'd like to see it come about, the diagnosis may not go away. 
The bills may not go away. The relationship tension may not go away. The charges may not be dropped. The problem may not be fixed. But by faith, you are releasing the responsibility to worry about whatever that is over to God. Because you no longer want the worry to distract you from the good that God has for you. And you're deciding, this is important, you're deciding that you're not waiting for the trial to be resolved to be used by God. Because sometimes, sometimes we think, well, I know God wants to use me, but I just need to wait until this is over. I need to wait until the storm passes. And then I'll do this or that that God has given me the gifts to be involved with. But maybe God doesn't want you to wait. Maybe God wants you to use your gifts even while you're in the storm. And so you're making a decision that I'm, I'm not going to wait for the trial to be resolved, to be used by God. And also this, if we decide I need to wait till there are no trials in my life to be used by God, how long are you gonna be waiting? Forever. Always going to be going through something. So in concluding this letter, Peter comes back to a theme that he used to open the letter. Verse 10. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he, our loving heavenly father, our good God, will restore support and strengthen you and he will place you on a firm foundation see throughout this letter to persecuted christians peter continuously comes back to this theme drawing attention to what is temporary versus what is eternal what is perishable versus what is imperishable what is shaky versus a firm foundation the suffering in view of eternity the suffering will only last a little while after our conversation last week, we talked about trials. No matter what they are, they're all temporary. Why? Because there are no trials in heaven. And so we looked at our, our trials and we're, we declare them temporary. Temporary. Suffering will last for a little while. To be in the presence of our Heavenly Father is forever. My, my friends, my encouragement is to stop carrying the worry that is not yours to carry. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. Standing firm in faith is directly, directly connected to releasing your anxieties to God. Maybe you hear that and you think, it just can't be that easy. Well, here's what many of us have come to learn, sometimes the hard way, that our human tendency is to overestimate what we can do and underestimate what God can do. And that's true with worry. Peter, Peter, he was there in, with Jesus when Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary, and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest.
for your souls. Peter, decades after hearing Jesus say those words, now Peter says, give your worries and your cares over to God for he, he cares for you. Now, you know you can't give what you don't have. So for Peter to say, you need to give your worries over to God, he's alerting us to the fact that some of us are carrying our worries and our anxieties, our fears, our distresses, we're carrying them around like a, like a package. We've taken possession or ownership of them. And so Peter alerts us to the need to no longer carry that around, to release it over. To give our worries and cares away is a decision to stop carrying them. Carrying a heavy suitcase, you're carrying something that's physically heavy. Carrying anxiety and worry is an emotional and spiritual weight. Just in case there's any confusion, Peter is certainly not leading us to live oblivious to the realities of the world. Peter's not telling us to be lazy. Peter's not telling us to be just disengaged from what's happening. None of that describes Peter. What this is, is the decision to free yourself from the worries and the cares that are holding you back so that you can engage. So that you can make the most of the life that God has given you. That's that have life and have it to the full. One of the resources that we want to equip you with is it's called Right Now Media. And it's been described as like a Netflix of Bible studies. And it's free for anyone who's in the church family. If it's your first day, you can also create an account. You just go to peopleschurch.com under resources, right now media. There's things on there that you can watch with your kids. There's things for your marriage, finances, studies on books of the Bible. The reason I bring this all up today, you can watch them on your screens at home. You can watch them on your device. I like to listen to the, some of these things in my car. They have a listen mode. <laughs> I bring this all up today because uh, there's a pastor named Kyle Eidelman who has a series where he teaches on 1 Peter. And Pastor Kyle, on what we've been talking about this, this morning, this concept of giving your cares over to God, Kyle makes this great connection in his teaching on 1 Peter chapter 5. He makes a connection between what Peter writes about giving your cares, giving your worries over to God, and being a dad, being a parent. Now, Jennifer probably, not probably, she does deal with this more than I do, our kids want to give us all their things to carry. So this morning, two of our kids came with me early to church. We're coming out of my office, and I'm trying to think of everything that I had. I had Dahlia's Bible quiz bag, I had two coats, I had my notes, I had my Bible. So my hands already felt pretty full and Jennifer would probably say that's nothing compared to what I carry sometimes. It felt like my hands were full, I think I had also my microphone. And uh, 
Tucker is carrying a tiny cup of hot chocolate. And he said, Dad, can you carry this? And he explained to me that it wasn't possible for him to go down the stairs and also hold the hot chocolate at the same time. We laugh because we've been there. Maybe we can learn something from our kids. Because in their mind, they're wiring. Maybe they're thinking, I'm not responsible to carry anything. In their understanding, mom and dad, no matter how much you have, you can always carry one more thing. Maybe we need to have a childlike faith when it comes to the worry that we are carrying. And our Heavenly Father is saying, would you just give that to me? He's waiting for, for you to say, Dad, will you carry this? I wonder why we hold back. Are we convinced that God's hands are full? That he can't carry just one more thing? That's not my God. My God is the creator of the universe. My God is infinite. He is all-powerful. He is everywhere all the time. His hands are never full. Church, let me invite you to stand with me today. Some of you can absolutely relate to that story that I told at the beginning of the message where you're carrying some distress, just like I was carrying distress about something as silly as the donuts. You're carrying some distress and you're finding that it's hurting every area of your life. You're not being the mom or dad that you want to be to your kids. You're not being the coworker or leader that you want to be at your workplace. You're not being the brother and sister in Christ that you want to be to your church family. And you'd say it's because there's a a distress and it's touching everything so I'm gonna ask you not to worry about what other people around you are doing today close your eyes with me for just a moment because this is a moment moment between you and God I'm gonna ask you to put your hands in front of you with your palms up kind of like you're holding a box and this is just representative of whatever ever worry, care, distress, anxiety, doubt, fear that you may have with you today. Just a moment, not yet. When the, when the worship team begins to sing, what I'm gonna ask you to do, not yet, when the worship team begins to sing, 
in a moment between you and your heavenly father, what I'm going to ask you to do, when you are ready to say, Dad, I'm carrying this, and I want to give it to you. I want you to, at that moment, not yet, I want you to lift your hands up to the Lord symbolically in praise as you lift that care, lift that worry, and you place it in the hands of your heavenly Father who's saying, would you just give that to me and let me carry it for you.